All right. Thank you again, John Bertan, for that excellent intro. Good, uh, good bass beat. And unfortunately, uh, John Bertan's not joining us tonight. All right. This is a really, really cool one because uh, it's just, it's just so much in like building up to this race. So we have Max Cam with us tonight. It's uh, about 10 o'clock at night. It's uh, June 29th, 2023, about 10 p.m. And one, two, three, four days ago, on five at 5 a.m. Is it 5 a.m., Max? Or yeah. Or is it earlier? 5, 5 a.m. Saturday morning. June 24th to... Uh, a cutoff of 11 a.m. He uh, he did it faster than that, but oh, the the race, um, yeah, the race goes until Sunday the 25th at 11. And um, yeah, I wanna I wanna go way back because like this isn't your first hundred miler, and you have to qualify to do Western States, and it's like kind of a bucket list one for a lot of ultra people, like. Um, when when did you think you would do Western States? Uh, how long ago was it, and what what kind of sparked that? How long ago did I think I would like? What you mean, like how long ago did I? Like when when did I you do a qualifier, do and you're like, I want to do Western States. I'm going to do a qualifier, and I'm going to try to get in. Um. Let's see. It would have to go back to all the way back in 2017, I would say. That was when I ran my first uh, 100K race, which actually was the Miwok 100K. And that is a qualifier in itself among among all the other races around the state, around the country. So that was kind of where that started. And also in that year, I also ran my first 100 miler at Rio del Lago. And that was in November. Is that is that around Folsom? Is that, or am I, am I confusing yeah, that, that one? Yeah, that one. No, that's totally right. It, it starts, it starts in at Beals Point near Folsom Lake, uh-huh. and it kind of goes around. I want to say like the um, what is it called? I think it's it's like the American River bike path for a little bit, for the, at least like the first eighteen miles or so, and then. And then it comes back up and follows, it basically follows the shoreline of Folsom Lake on the west side, like near Granite Bay. And then you pass by, I don't know where you pass by, but eventually you make your way up to Auburn and the um, middle fork of the, the middle fork canyon of the um, American River up there. And also the uh, Auburn State Recreation Area up there as well. And then you come back to Auburn, you come back down to 
uh, Beals Point. That's what Rio de Lago is. And so, so yeah, yeah that, that was that was so, a long time ago. And so you have to so so for those listening that uh, haven't heard of Western states, um, you have a qualifier to get in uh, to get a ticket in the lottery, uh, and then. So you you have to qualify, and there's like a, there's like a hundred races to qualify, and it's all over the world. There's there's and the shortest races, yeah, hundreds. The the shortest runs a hundred k, and I I've looked at a, doing a qualifier, but I'm I'm kind of wimping out because I just do marathons. But I like I like Miwok and Sonoma because they're close by, um, Sonoma Lake, and uh, Miwok is here uh, in in Marin. Um, and so did you have a qualifier every year, Max, since 2017? Yeah, pretty much. Um, even during, even 2020, I actually did run a qualifier in January, but, um, I mean that year States was canceled anyway. So I'm not sure. I think they like, they gave a kind of a grace period. So when I signed up for states last year in 2022, I had five years worth of tickets. So I think at that point, it kind of like balanced it out for everybody because like not everybody was able to run a qualifier that pandemic year. Um, yeah, so, so the there's this, uh, if you go to the website, which is wser.org, they have this. Um, they have a geeks. wealth of information. Yes, they have. They have results, and then they have. I think it's geeks only. I think that, or maybe it's under the entry, the entry process. All-time top man. No, that's not it. Here we go. All-time fastest. No, maybe it's in the entry part. Uh, lottery. Um, yes. yeah. Lottery. What are you looking for? Oh, I was looking for the number of tickets people have. Now, here we go. Like, yeah. So the total applicants in for the 2023 Western States was 7,169. And then it has, we're looking at a chart, and it's at wser.org slash lottery. And they show how many people have first-year uh, qualifiers, how many have done two years of qualifiers, three years of qualifiers, four years, it goes all the way to eight years. And pretty much you're guaranteed at nine. <laughs> but they have 41,000 tickets because each year you qualify and you don't get in, is it, it doubles, right, Max? So is it doubling? Yeah. Or, or is so, it, so you, yeah. So the so they actually use kind of a it's kind of like a doubling formula so to speak um, they have it uh, somewhere else on the website but it's basically every for every year that you don't get in through the lottery your tickets increase by two to the n where n is I think the number of years that I think or two to the n minus one something like that so mm -hmm. if you so if it's your first time around, obviously just one ticket. Yeah, two to the n minus one. 
that makes sense. Because then the so first you have year, a one in seven thousand one hundred sixty-nine, or that's <laughs> is, is that is uh, that your uh, first? Wait, say say that. Again? So I see uh, that it says total applicants. No, it would be that's yeah, total applicants like, across the board. So, mm-hmm. um, and then the what it lists there is. I think it's the number. No, the, the number of tickets is on the right hand side. Yeah. So on the so in between there, where it says like one year, two year, three year, and so on. That's yeah. That's the number of applicants for each category. So for the 2023 year, there were 3,560 people that was their first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so, okay, I think I understand the math. That's just one ticket, year one, right? Yeah, that's one and ticket. Then, and then, and then year, year two. Year two, you have two tickets. Yep, and then year you, three, you're jumping. You have four tickets, and then it doubles, like, yeah. the longer you and haven't gotten in. So you got a lot of tickets when you're in, like, six years. Cause if you want would, to wait would, that long. Yeah, you'd have to do six qualifiers also to get that. So, so the thing about it, the qualifiers is you only have to do one per year. It doesn't only increase one. <laughs> with like the more races you do, like you just get the one. Yeah. It might yeah, it might favor people that are doing hundred milers, but that's complicated because yeah, it must be. Yeah, if you do like UTMB or something, I would think it's you'd get get a little bit more. And there's like there's 200 milers out there, uh, but those are just considered qualifiers. So they if it's on the list, it's it's a qualifier. Yep. All right. So six years of tickets. Five. Uh, or five years of tickets. Five years of tickets. Count their COVID year. Yep. Um, there is the lottery back. Was that December or when was the lottery last year? So the lottery is always held in on the first Saturday in December. Yep. The registration process, I think, starts in November. And I'm not sure when they close the registration for the lottery, but it's in that November month. Wow. All right. So your name so, gets drawn. And then what it, What was your, did you change like your uh, plan for the year? Like around this one or, or was it just like, yeah, I'm just going to do it in June. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Like every, this, I think in the past, I never really had what most people would consider like an A race. This was definitely my A race. Like, I wanted to do everything I could to prepare for it. Um, yeah, to and basically like focused on it the whole time, between like the time I got picked and to up to yeah, pretty much up to race day. So, what did that so look like? like yeah, you, so, you got injured, right? Yeah. So initially, I. Well, I was coming off a pretty big year of racing, and 
I'm not sure if I actually gave myself enough time off, but I pretty much like continued training and then started ramping up. And I think it was like around, yeah, around the end of March, I had just done, I just finished a 75 mile week after a 70 mile week before that. And after a 65 mile week before that, and with a bunch of vert too. So they weren't easy weeks. And I was also training for Boston at that time. So I had thrown in a bunch of road workouts, probably too many road workouts, or at least like road long runs. Um, mm-hmm. And that's not that long ago. Boston is April. So you're, you didn't do Boston, right? I did not do Boston. So yeah. my knee, my right knee at the end of March, for some reason or another, uh, pretty much completely swelled up and pretty much put me out of commission. Like I could barely even walk around the house. And Whoa. knowing that, it was like, well, if I can't even walk around the house, there's really no point of trying to run if, mm-hmm. it's, if it's even painful to just walk around. What was the so, prognosis, even? I don't have a root cause. It was just, so I got an x-ray and they didn't show anything, no bone fractures. And I got an MRI and all it showed was like, there was like a, I guess an edema in my knee. So it was just like fluid in the knee that made it swell up, but it didn't show anything torn. So not sure exactly like what caused it i don't know if it was like my diet if i eaten something wrong or um, something i wasn't supposed to or if i just overdid it i don't do is there like a ever an injury like did you hit something like funny or i don't don't think so i mean i wanted to do a bunch of like hill um, training like running down hills because states has a lot of downhills and steep ones at that so i wanted to prepare myself for that but um yeah i don't know what exactly it was like all i could do was just rest try to recover and then try to come back uh, as smartly as i could and ramp back up again and so i think it was around pretty much like the end of April, so like after Boston had passed, and probably like right around that time frame, around the Boston time frame was like when I could actually kind of start walking, but it wasn't very well. Like if you've ever been to Boston, like you know how fast Bostonians walk, and if I couldn't even keep up with them, like there was a no point of going, even though there were a ton of people that I knew that were going, and b like the travel would have just been too much. So I stayed behind and rested, recovered, and I think it was like a couple weeks later that I felt a lot better, and I think I did my first run again, and it was only like maybe a mile or so. But I definitely came back. It was slowly. like in May, so you're yeah. Wow, you were April, totally out. Of last commission. May, yeah. pretty much yeah. With with two months to go, <laughs> I had to put something oh, together. 
Okay. So what were the deadlines for? What were yeah, like what were the deadlines for um, letting them know you were gonna race? Like, how does that work? If because because you wouldn't want to not race and like not let somebody else have the, your spot. Right. Um. They have it on the website. I don't here. That's that's pull up the way. Because I yeah, I think a lot of people. They, you know, it's just such a logistic race and it's a hundred miles and like it, it might not really be on their schedule and then they get it and then it's like, oh, you have six months now and then it's like injury or, or life or whatever. And you just I mean, say, these things happen to yeah, people, like, like life happens to people and you're not, and people do drop out. That's why there's a wait list and people get mm-hmm. from the wait lists. So I'm reading here on the website that if you withdraw by May 1st, you get you get a 75% refund of your entry fee. And then any time after that, between May 2nd and June 9th, you get half your money back. And oh, it's just a money with, refund? Yeah. And then if you withdraw after June 10th, from June 10th to June 20th, then you get... 25 percent of your money back and then after june 20th then you don't get a refund so okay yeah so could you postpone it and do it like in 2024 like if you were just like i can't run so that's what i'm not sure about because basically i got in and then i couldn't run and so <laughs> my spot for that year would have been given to somebody on the wait list. And I don't know, I'm pretty sure my tickets reset because oh. I threw to the lottery. If I was on the wait list and I withdrew, that would have been a different story. And I would have been like John Brennan. And have kept my tickets. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I guess well, they have to. Yeah, you can't. You can't postpone. There's probably rules on how much you can like postpone too. You can't. You can like if you're pregnant, yeah. you get like two years to postpone. I think. Um. Sometimes. There's. I mean, there's definitely special considerations for things like that. I think for. Let's see. There, there is definitely a pregnancy entry deferral. So if you're pregnant after the lottery or the time that they enter the lottery, um, you get a deferral. I think it's. Let's see. So now they've updated it. It used to be one year. Now it's. Um, unlimited so there's no time frame for when you can when you defer when you race but you do have to let the race director know Mm -hmm. and and you do still have to have a qualifier oh i see so you you have to keep yeah you have to keep being active (laughs) oh yeah definitely yeah yeah. you can't just go from zero to states like (laughs) i did I mean, I didn't go from zero to states, but 
because I had well, a qualifier last year. Yeah, you had a lot of qualifiers, and you you have, you have a history. So, so, yeah. all right. So you had like two months, but you you had quite the year, 2022, right? right. You you had a lot of stuff, um, and so let's go. Let's fast forward to like the la- the week before or the last two weeks. Where did you? Did you get the miles? Were you anywhere close what you wanted to get in for your training, or, or were you still was you nursing your knee? What was it? So I would say about the time around Memorial Day weekend, which is when uh, Western States put puts on their training camp. Mm-hmm. Um, that was probably when I was more confident about my knee and was able to do longer runs so i was able to go to that weekend and do all three days and those days aren't like they're not easy like the first day is about 31 miles with a Mm -hmm. bunch of descent i think it was like 8,000 feet of descent and second day is like 18 miles which isn't too bad compared to the first day. Like you're just, just so the first day you run from Robinson Flat to Forest Hill, and then mm-hmm. the second day you run from Forest Hill to basically to Rocky Chucky, but you run up to Driver's Flat, which is about like two and a half miles from Rocky Chucky. Up, yeah, I, I hiked down that. Um, yeah, with with Cadell and I. Uh, and we, then, yeah, we got yeah. there on. Um, yeah, it's it's a steep road. It is. And then the third day, we run from Green Gate to the track, and that's 22 miles. And that's the uh, yeah the last 22 miles ish of the course, which isn't too bad, considering it's lower elevation and just rolling hills. But there's still there's still hills. It's not. Mm-hmm easy for sure so i did that weekend and i was like okay i feel pretty good and didn't come away with like any pain or soreness or anything and then i went to do uh, marine ultra challenge 50k which had been rescheduled from march because of the rainstorms and yeah did the 50k to test out my nutrition strategy like one more time and that went I would say that went pretty well considering like what I set out and, and intended to do and that was pretty much my last longest run and from there that was like three weeks out I started to cut down on the mileage the weekly mileage from there and then race week it was really minimal i did like four mile run and like a two mile run and that was it hmm. and were you in um did you acclimate a little were you did you go up to uh like a couple of days before like uh, uh to, I mean, to I, squab I had to out up, i had to go up um uh, on thursday at least by thursday night because we had to drop our drop bags off on friday and also check in so yes and no 
in a way. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't go up with the intent to try to acclimate because you're not going to be in the high country at high altitude for very long. Like, it's going to be, like, the first 30-something miles. And after that, it's, like, you get under 7,000, 6,000 feet. Hmm. Yeah, I think high countries above 7,000. Well, I'd say above six thousand, really, because your Tahoe's at six thousand. That's still right. that's still a, uh, some elevation. That's a mile. Yeah. Um, that's more than yeah. A mile. So that's. I've I've heard. Um, actually, I think it was Dean Carnazes. He said, uh, he he always stays at um, Squaw Creek. What is it? Squaw Valley Inn, like some fa- the fancy place in the in the valley for yeah. a week. I and that sounds like the place to be because like there's everyone in the valley it sounds sounds like a lot of fun because like all these people from all over the world are there even if you're not racing if you're just uh crewing or pacing uh you could you know hang out there's a lot going on and stuff yeah, sure if you have the money i guess i think a lot of people <laughs> Well, I actually ended up finding an Airbnb along the main road there on Olympic Valley Road. So I lucked out pretty well. I mean, I got the place for me and my crews, and it, like, yeah, it fit everybody in. It was pretty cozy. It was nice. And it wasn't too bad. Like, price was Yeah, you had had a great crew. I saw saw a photo. I saw a couple photos. Looked like you had some awesome uh, support. That's really cool. Yeah, they. I couldn't have asked for a better crew. Yeah, we we had a we we actually had a um, meeting the Monday before to iron out some of the um, some of the details, and I think that helped a lot. Yeah. So where are the drop bags? Like, curious. Like. I know there's a lot of aid stations and stuff, but where's the like main drop bags and where do you, you pick up, where do you pick up your first pacer and where do you pick up your drop bag? So drop bag, you can have as many drop bags as they allow. Like there's a lot of aid stations that allow you to have a drop bag. So there's, so you could have like your favorite food. Like if you were kind of, yeah, if you had one particular so, mango or something you wanted to eat. <laughs> right. I don't, so I don't know. Do you have a favorite food? Like where you're... So I just have the gels that I normally eat. Like I don't really like the goo gels that they have. So I usually pack those in like my own nutrition just because I've been training with it and I don't want to um, try something new on race day. Even though they had the uh, goo rock team that I had been using, but the, the stuff I've been using, I, I use like the scratch, I think it's like super fuel or like the, the high carb version. Mm-hmm. And it's got like 400 calories and a hundred grams of carbs per serving. So I was banking on that to get me through. So I'm looking at the aid station list and there's nine aid stations where you can have a drop bag and it's only starting at Robinson Flat, which is mile 30, where you can first see your crew. And so with 
your crew, you kind of have to be a little strategic about like who you want there or and when you want them there. So that had to be all planned out. Um, so yeah, that's so, that's tricky because so like, you have here, here's a great sure map. Time and stuff. Yeah, yeah, like how do you know? Oh, the race you've never ran. I mean, how did you, did you have brackets? Like, okay, I'm gonna be at um. Let's see. Uh, I have a time range for sure, um, and also like based on other people's experience, like lots of other people that run this race before, and they can definitely give you uh, some tricks and pointers on like timing and like drop bag strategy, crew strategy, like everything. So <laughs> first thirty miles definitely shouldn't be taking it super hard or super fast because. Um, a, like, I've never done that first 30 because you're not really supposed to go into the Granite Chief Wilderness there. And B, like, I, yeah, since because of that, like, I've never seen the course there before, so I don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And so... Hey, what was the first 30 like? Was it really rugged or... What? Yeah, pretty rugged, pretty snowy, actually, for the first mm-hmm. 10 miles, for sure. Um... Yeah, so it's definitely slow going, and that is usually a blessing in disguise because then you don't like burn out before you start descending into the canyons, especially if it's going to be hot too. Um, and so, with all the snow there, that it was definitely like easy going. Like, just try to stay upright. Don't try to do anything stupid. And just try to get to, like, just focus on getting to the next aid station in one piece. And also, like, follow your follow your nutrition strategy while you're doing all that. And so I would say the first 30, like, worked out pretty well in terms of that. Like, I was trying to eat and trying to eat enough. And... Yeah, same for like the next, I would say 31 or so. Because that part is like pretty much. So let's uh, let's pull up your Strava here. Because I was following you, actually. (laughs) I was following you uh, most of the day, actually. Um, Things changed. Let's see here. Max, there's Max. I haven't looked at your Strava yet, but I remember, um, yeah, I was thinking, well, Max is probably shooting for 24. Uh, I just, I don't know why I thought that, but uh, I was like, oh. I think the Ultra Life Tracker, too. But I also hit the lap key at every aid station, so you kind of know, like, what the the intervals were between each Mm -hmm. aid station. So yeah, I was shooting for sub twenty four, and like every time I left the aid station, at least the first like sixty five miles or so, like I was a little bit behind, but I knew that if I could try to keep keep up the pace, that I could try to make it. So yeah, and your heart rate's pretty. Yeah low and not crazy this is good i'm looking at mile 30 here 
136, 133 heart rate. Looks pretty good. You're just yeah. cruising along. So I think this is all that was not drinking coffee in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so, like, just to keep myself calm and, like, not overdo it, like, I think that helped a lot. And also the weather was really cool, too. Like, traditionally, States is usually, like, 100 degrees during the day. And you're basically fighting the heat the whole time. And so this year, I think it was, like, the fourth or fifth coolest year on record in terms of race history. And I don't think I don't think it ever got above like 80 or 85 even in the canyons. So cooling was, or the heat wasn't really an issue. So that's so, why the heart rate was lower than. So I uh, yeah, I, I I'm looking at your splits uh, up to Rocky Chucky, which is mile 78. It all looks pretty pretty good. You're like. You know, good heart rate, nothing crazy. 13s, 14s, 15s, 14, 12, 10, 16. Um, and then looks like, uh, well, I want to I wanna share a little of the Rucky Chucky aid station. So I'd never done it before. And um, I yeah, brought Cadell. It was, it was really tiring, to be honest. Uh, because we worked from, uh, I got in at like 11 a.m. on Saturday. Uh, I got I was there early because th- there's a bus that goes from the top of um, what's the flat called? Driver's flat. Uh, driver's flat. Yeah, there's a bus yeah. that takes you from the the road up at the top down to Rocky Chucky, which is like mm-hmm. two and a half miles, and it's like it's like. I want to say like 2,000 feet, maybe 1,800 feet. I don't know. About 1,800 feet down. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a pretty good downhill. Um, but we were there early, so Cadell and I just hi- walked it. We just hiked down, and it did take like an hour to hike down because we had all our stuff. And I brought, I brought our tent and sleeping bags and like cots, and uh, yeah, I was really just buzzing, you know, like there was. There's a, there's a over a hundred feet of orange fence on both sides that needs to be erected. There's all of these um, lights because there's a lot of stuff happening in it at night. So mm-hmm. there's like lights that go up on big poles. And Kurt Ryan, who's on Tamalpa, he provides like a bunch of the like lumber. Like there's like uh there's all kinds of stuff. So Bruce Linscott runs it, and then I'd say there's probably twenty or 25 volunteers I, I don't know i didn't count the people yeah it's a village for sure each yeah feel like it's a small village so itself. the rocky yeah the tamalpa people were doing the lights and the food the aid station but then there's also a crew of like 20 people at least maybe more i want to say 25 people that are doing the boats because this year they had to have boats Yep. And they had, at, when it was really busy, they had up to four boats doing crossings because they have right. to, so they, they have to get everybody, uh, and it's not just runners, it's um, photographers, it's people, pacers. pacers, all the all the spectators, like all these people, uh, definitely before any runners come by, 
Like the earliest runner was like 4 p.m., maybe 4.20. And that was amazing. When he came running in, it was like he was doing a 5K. I was like, what? <laughs> so he just ran through, grabbed like a gel, like he was doing a, a morning run and uh, hopped on the boat and he was gone. But um, as the day goes on and, and it becomes night, there's like, yeah, the, there would be there, there'd be little bottlenecks because if you'd have 12 runners come in, you can't put 12 runners on a boat. I don't know how your boat uh, crossing was, but it was, uh, it was pretty chaotic uh, sometimes because people bunched up. We would have 20 runners come in at once and, you know, they're all exhausted (laughs) and then they'd all leave all all at once and go down to the (laughs) boats. (laughs) But everybody was amazing. Like I couldn't believe how, how uh like it's like one in the morning two in the morning uh three in the morning and everyone's just pretty good spirits uh just really just (laughs) doing doing the the work and uh i was yeah it was it was really cool um to see so many selfless people there who had been doing it for like decades and they're not there to race it they're just there to help people out um, they're just there to, to make sure, you know, the runners get their support and help them out. And like, yeah, it was, it was, uh, I had a great time. It was fun. Uh, and awesome. yeah. it was hard to, it was hard to keep track because there was an in incoming clipboard of runners and an out. And I was doing the outgoing clipboard of runners uh-huh. and it was like two thirty in the morning <laughs> and people were shouting numbers at me and they were like, one four four in and and like i was like four four and like i i did it a couple times because i was just tired and i was like we we figured it out we got the right numbers but it was it's a little chaotic because because if you don't have the right numbers uh and say somebody wanders off the wrong way which i guess has happened at aid stations like if you I, I can't imagine this happening, but like you come into an aid station and instead of going the right way, you leave the wrong way and say you go up that road, the driver's flat road. <laughs> uh, Which, I don't know. I'd say that was pretty um, self-explanatory. And like the volunteers there and like at every aid station, they would point you in the right direction. I mean, at that point, like, and if even if you've never done the race before, like, probably heard about it and heard about the river crossing and so by the time you get down there you're like okay i need to cross the river yeah yeah so you're looking for something there was there was some worry like you know we wanted to be absolutely sure we had because there's there's mats but you can't always rely on those so we wanted to be absolutely sure we would double check the numbers to make sure the runner that came in was was written down so there was there was a handwriting there was a, a written record uh yeah. in case there was an issue like something happens is like where's max so we could locate you quickly um yeah it was it was crazy and then and then what happens is the cutoff at rucky chucky is 5 a.m um and there was three runners that didn't make the rucky chucky and i met I met one of them. His name was Corey and he was the nicest guy. And it was like, he didn't bother him at all. And he was just so 
happy to be there and he wasn't defeat there was no like ain't upset he wasn't angry nothing he was just totally cool <laughs> you know he did he did his run and it he didn't make the cutoff and it was like no big deal and i gave him a ride back to um the high school uh because he was waiting for the the bus and actually yeah. we, so we took the bus up to the top but then he didn't have a ride from the top to the high school and that's still like mm-hmm. another 15 miles drive so i gave okay. him more I gave him a ride. I talked to him a little bit, and he was with his his pacer, uh, really nice guy named Corey. Just um, that was that was really cool because I was like, wow, this guy is uh, he's just in it to enjoy running. <laughs> he didn't yeah. care about the uh, you know cutoffs or anything. So that's great. Yeah, shout out to Corey for making it that far. Hopefully next time, hopefully there is a next time, and you can get further down. Yeah, I, I have a, just so much respect for for that attitude because it's like it's not about a time at some point, you know. It's 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 just about getting out there and doing something hard. So, yeah. Um, okay, so a time goal would be a nice bonus, but sometimes you just, I mean, just getting the buckle itself is like that's all you can hope for. And just have like have a good day to get you get you to the track, and yeah. So and I and I saw Javi that Javier he goes by Javi. Did he yeah. did he how how many miles or or who ran with you and who crewed for you? Do you want to? Yeah, let's get into that. So my crew consisted of the following people: uh, Jesse Goldstein. Uh, Kati Lan, Andrew Melton, Matt Budesa, Javier Lopez, Oscar Mayorada, and I had two surprise people show up that I didn't have planned originally, and they are Rodney Martin and Alex Kamages. And so Oscar had paced me from Forest Hill down to the river, so... 16 miles there and then Javi I picked up at Rucky Chucky so and he ran with me from there to the finish well basically to the finish but there there's a couple of places where like your whole crew can run with you and one of those places is through Forest Hill um, coming out of Bath Road and I think like maybe down to like California street and that's it. And the second place that I know of, which is a lot more, um, I would say memorable because it's the last 1.3 miles of the race. And that's Roby point, which is mile 98.9. And your whole crew and anybody like your whole cheer squad can basically meet you there and run you in all the way to the track. And what time of day? Because I was, I, I, well, I had my son with me, and I was super tired. Yeah. I was, <laughs> how did you, how did Goodell handle it? He did great. He, um, he slept through the whole night, and he slept, he went to bed at 10 p.m. and got up oh, at like 6.30. Yeah, he was, he's only seven, so he slept, even though there was like lights and like 
music and everything going for like all night. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he slept. He did fine. And I, I, I did get like an hour of sleep. <laughs> no, nah, he he crashes. He can't can't go past ten ten thirty. Yeah. So it was. You were. Let me go back to your. Here it is. Total time. Did your watch work the whole time? Oh yeah. So I have oh. the nine fifty five solar. Mm-hmm. And at the I had charged it all the way up the night before, so I pretty much had like. 31 hours of GPS time. Wow. And by the time I was done with the race, just under 26 hours, I still had about 23% left on my watch of battery. Wow. That's awesome. So I actually That's did a... not need an ex- extra battery or anything. Huh. And even if I like had stretched it to the golden hour it it would have still lasted but i was hoping that wouldn't happen Mm -hmm. yeah and i'm looking at so here we have the distance it's 99.83 which it's gps it's not perfect yeah elapsed time 25 hours 59 minutes is that your official my 25.59 25 59 36 36 and a 15:37 pace moving time 24 hours and 55 minutes oh my gosh That's so, so long was basically telling me that i was in and out of aid stations like there was no tomorrow like i was quick and i actually have them to thank for that because like they had everything ready for me and I actually want like they like rolled with the punches because I actually like when I got to the aid stations I realized that I had to pick up my own drop bag like they couldn't get my drop bag to try to prepare the stuff that I needed but like they yeah, they were flexible with that, and like we did what we needed to do, and so yeah, it actually kind of all worked out, despite like what happened with like with the drop bag at Robinson Flat that I had. Um, yeah, I had to like bring it to my crew, and like they prepped everything. They actually had I actually had prepped kind of an extra drop bag. For, the, for my crew to bring, like, just in case something happened with the one that I had at the aid station, and that actually worked out pretty well. Like, Did, did you change shoes or, like, socks and clothes and stuff? Yeah, the... so it was at Forest Hill where I changed socks and shoes because my feet were, I felt like they were a little bit raw by that time because I had just crossed another creek crossing between Michigan Bluff and the mm-hmm. Forest Hill. So I was like, Forest right. Hill's it. 60 62. 60 62 miles so yeah. so what what uh what was the hardest part did did you have like some doubts or did did was it all just pretty even um i think i i was just like laser focused i just i was just focused on like just keep moving keep going 
and like try to do what you can and like just stick to your strategy keep like getting your calories in and keeping hydration up um yeah I mean, Forrest will actually work out pretty well because my crew was able to run with me. So I just grabbed my drop bag, I handed it to them, and they ran down the road where they were stationed so that they could like prep all the stuff. So it, actually, what I looks, had them. It, oh, sorry. Yeah, what I had them. So I had liquid nutrition on me. So I was using Scratch and Roctane, which are powders that you have to add water to. So mm-hmm. I had them bring. I had them. I had actually prepared like extra empty bottles for them to bring to me because I didn't want to put them in my drop bag. There's also like a size limit to the drop bag too, so I wasn't able to do that. But anyway, like they were able to, at least at Forest Hill, they ran down the road and like grabbed the bottles, put the powders in and like added water in like just to speed that process up. And then, yeah, I changed my shoes and socks there. And... Yeah, I think I got out there probably within like three or five minutes. Let's look then, at your sixty-two split. Yeah, you're you're running the whole thing. I mean, except uh, looks like about mile ninety, maybe eighty-nine. Uh, the last ten. Did you walk those so, ten? So if you pull up the uh, ultra live results, there's actually. Um, kind of like section pace too okay yeah yeah i was using ultra live on the app um here we go so the other thing too with the drop bags and especially at rucky chucky um i didn't know what far side meant and what it actually ended up meaning was that the drop bag would be on the other side of the river yep and my crew was on the near side of the river before the crossing oh so that was another instance where i actually lucked out with packing basically an extra drop bag because they gave me everything i needed there right then and there and i didn't even need to go to my drop bag when i crossed the river so some lessons learned there um i didn't know that i found out later from um, Shannon Kennedy, who volunteers like a bunch of races. You may have a bunch of like trail races. Like if you've done a lot of trail races around the Bay Area, you'll probably see her at some point. But later on, I think it was like yesterday, she pointed out to me that Western States is, I think it was the only race that doesn't let your crew get your drop bag. So there's definitely some lessons learned there but in the end like it still like worked out i'm glad i prepared what i did and yeah it still went pretty well yeah and I'm, so i'm looking at your um so it was 11 p.m i saw you um at 78 and yeah that was that's a long long day just to get there um, and then you had 22 mile, more miles to go, and it is it is a haul up to Green Gate. It's like, isn't that like a thousand feet? Um, uh, I don't know. 
actually, but there was definitely a climb. Like, it was mm-hmm. already dark, so I didn't really know, but I definitely saw the incline going up. And those two miles were actually pretty long, so I pretty much, like, hiked all of that. What? But, yeah, what points were really memorable? Was there a, a aid station, or, like, was it the start? Was it a, a crew interaction? Was there, like, any animals? Like, what, what do you... Re- like, what were the memorable so, parts? No wildlife. I didn't see any wildlife. <laughs> but some of the more memorable parts was getting up to the escarpment and seeing basically, like, a big party up there. Like, every, like a lot of people were at the top of the mountain cheering and everything. And, and that's us. sunrise. Four, four miles. Yeah, that's that. Like, yeah, that's like mile four, and that's basically the only point where you'll see everybody. Like, no one's gonna drop up there. Mm -hmm. And then, like after that, it's like you get you descend down the other side into the Grand Chief Wilderness, and there's like a bunch of snow. Um, You have to go like between trees and stuff, up and down like big snow banks and. Everyone's just trying to, like, figure out, like, what, what the heck to do. And, <laughs> like, there's some parts where you're like, okay, when you climb up, there's, like, some parts where there's been shoes making stairs, basically, and you, you can just, like, step into those, and you'll be somewhat okay. And then come down the <laughs> other side, and it's just, like, it's either, I don't know, like, furry footprints or just, like, one big slide. And some of the parts are just like, all right, I'm just going to go sit on my butt and slide down because that's the <laughs> safest thing to do. And I don't, I, I can't count how many times I had to do that. And when I, like, when I first had to do that, I was thinking about the race up, up there last week, which was Broken Arrow. And I just remember seeing videos of people, like, sliding down in the snow. I'm like, oh. And when I saw that, I was like, I hope I never never have to do that and lo and behold i had to do that the following week at states (laughs) yeah i would say with my crew at least like seeing them seeing a couple of them at robinson flat was pretty awesome and and then seeing them again at michigan bluff like more people uh, more of my crew showed up there and they all had matching shirts and jorts and i was just Mind yeah, tell me, tell me like, about the, uh, the the shorts and the shirts you, the crew had. I so, saw a picture. <laughs> you won't be able to see this if you're listening to the podcast, but they have these shirts that say... How you can read what T- it says. Team Max, the machine. The machine. <laughs> and on the back here, right under the neck is a tea bag. <laughs> and I'll let, I'll, let the, uh, I'll let the listeners figure that out but it's kind of an inside joke within our, <laughs> our running crew but yeah they had that on and they had jorts jort, printed jorts on running shorts on and that like just blew my mind I was yeah I was just beyond overjoyed because if you've ever seen me at an ultra race, especially if it's like a shorter distance, I'll probably be wearing short, short shorts, 
short running shorts. <laughs> Unfortunately, they don't have pockets. You so. gotta have the, the shorter the the shorter they are, the faster you'll go. So right? that's, yeah, that's, if you have like one inch, you're gonna. I mean, just go for a speedo. <laughs> At that point, you probably should. I'm, I'm, I'm not quite there yet, though. But yeah, yeah, you got it. So I'm through there. So I'm at Michigan, Michigan Bluff, where also where Victor Bautasteros was announcing runners as they were coming in. Shout out to him. And also Forest Hill and Rocky Chucky too. And yeah, they're they're just phenomenal. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 amazing. It's like a. It's just an assembly of, of um, humanity doing, you know, something oh, really hard. It's yeah. great. And if you want to pick a race to have a crew and pacer at, like, States is definitely the one to do it. Like, it's just a party all day, all through the weekend. Uh, you know, I mean, Max, pretty, I was surprised pretty, like, at how many... Yeah, I was it. surprised at how many people didn't have pacers. Like... Uh, I want to say 15 to 20 people, they would just kind of run in and, you know, they probably have done a lot of ultras. They're just experienced people. And like, um, and it wasn't based on speed necessarily. There was people came in after you, you know, they're just solo out there doing their thing. And uh, yeah, I I thought if you're doing a hundred miles, you pretty much need a pacer, right? Or somebody. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of people that just do it solo. Yeah. So. I mean, having a pacer is is definitely nice. Like, you're not the only one there, especially, like, going through the night. And I've, like, all the other 100 milers that I've run before states, like, I've done solo. So I know what that's like mm-hmm. going into an aid station by yourself, going through the night by yourself with just the uh, the light coming from your headlamp. But... I mean, it depends on, I guess, the person's circumstance, I guess. Like, maybe they couldn't get a crew together. Maybe they had traveled from far mm-hmm. away. And Yeah, there was the people speaking too, French and yeah, yeah people, people speaking is, all different languages. There's also a kind of a, I want to say like an advertising board for pacing, too. Like, if you wanted to, if you wanted to pace, like, you could, like, just show up to Forest Hill and, like, see who, like, which runner wants a pacer, like, as they come in. Like, Mm -hmm. there's definitely a demand for that. Yeah, I don't think I've seen, like, any other race that... Is there, like, a bulletin board? Like, I mean, you don't just show up at Forest Hill, right? You'd have to know the runner, or or is it Not necessarily. Like, lots of... uh, Lots of pacers have like run with total strangers. Like they just show up and run with them, and for however long, like from forest. Yeah, you know, Courtney. When Courtney came through, no pacer at all. Totally, just no, I mean, flying. She's a runner, so I don't know yeah. how many people keep up with her to begin with. Well, that's what I was thinking. I don't know if too many women that could keep up with her, or even men that could keep up with her, and. Right. Uh, what was the the um when she crossed this is this is kind of interesting i was i saw her super friendly by the way she's like shouting thank you to everybody just super friendly person exactly like how everyone's always talked about her but it's um it's it's uh green gate up to green gate which uh-huh. is really steep right there 
the way she she I, it was like a billy goat like she was just running straight up like a really street <laughs> and and she has like 78 miles in yeah it's just like no big deal it's just um unreal she's, she's got power in her legs yeah she's I mean, that's why that's why she came in first pretty much like <laughs> dominated and, and like set the course record really big kudos to Cordy DeWalter it's just a, such an amazing performance yeah I don't, I don't think that could be duplicated I mean an hour uh that's that's pretty an hour from the best time that's that's unheard of um, yeah that's from the best time before yep pretty cool yeah uh pretty good uh pretty good recap um oh so tell me about the finish like uh did you did you just like go to sleep immediately like what was that like so after i had finished uh i actually kind of want to go back to at least like the last 15 or 20 miles yeah maybe back up go back to like yeah before before Rucky Chucky. Well, even even getting to Rucky Chucky, I, I had already kind of started slowing down. And I think it was that descent down from Forest Hill that kind of did me in. Like, that part was pretty steep before you got to um, the Cal 1 aid station. And, yeah, it was just, like... I'm not sure what had happened, but just started slowing down from there. And then it's like right after across the river, it was just like just a hike fest up to Green Gate because that was a hill. And then I tried to run a little bit between that and the Auburn Lake Trails aid station because mm-hmm. it was relatively flat. So I'm like, all right, let's try to shuffle a little bit. But for some reason, my left knee started bothering me. Mm-hmm. And so I think like around... I think when I got to Auburn Lake Trails, I it's either that or like Corey. I, yeah, it was, it was definitely Auburn Lake Trails. Um, I wanted to see if I could get like my knee taped up or worked on or something because because mm-hmm. I was just not able to basically run like let alone mm. maybe like walk effectively like and some of those trails are kind of technical too and you still and, have 15 miles to go yeah yeah like they're not That's very kinda... they're not even there's like big drops of like roots rocks all that stuff and so basically the last 15 i pretty much like hiked it in like going uphill was somewhat okay i could try to put i try i, I could try to favor my right leg more and like go ascend from there but then like the descent the descents were not as great um just trying to like grimace and grunt through all of that stuff between yeah basically from mile 90 on like there's downhill there's still like a downhill too after pointed mm-hmm. rocks because <clears throat> it's a little bit higher up and you basically have to look go down and then up and down to no hands bridge and then after no hands bridge that's probably like where most of your climbing is still remaining like up and past roby point 
and but then like after that like the descents the technical somewhat technical descents were over at least so that was that was cool but yeah like pretty much like around mile 96 or so like the sun was already kind of coming up and i'm like which meant that the 24-hour mark had already passed so i'm like all right yeah. let's just let's just, just walk finish yeah. this try to get try to get somewhat of a decent time or whatever <laughs> but at least like i knew like the cutoff wouldn't be an issue um yeah so i just walked it in yeah you, had, in you from... had four more hours till the 30 there was uh jeff vaughn he's in tamalpa a lot of the people at Rocky Chucky know him, and I guess he's worked there. He was, and I, I know I've seen him at Quad. He's he's a good friend of uh, Nako. Greg Nako was there. Um, yeah, he was. I don't know what his time was, but he was getting closer to the golden hour, the thirty-hour limit. Uh, let's take a look at his. I haven't looked at his. Um, yeah, it's uh. 2835. Uh, he wasn't quite at the golden hour. No. So okay. Yeah. He had an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So let's look at all the entrants and see who the. Were you there for the last finisher? Uh, let's see. I was in some capacity. So let's. Yeah, let's skip over to like when I finished. So I made it to the track and. I guess, like, in the videos, it looks like I was running, but I didn't feel like I was running. But mm-hmm. basically, after I had finished, I, they, my crew got me to a chair, and I sat down, like, trying to get my, keep my body temp uh, constant. And so, like, after a while, like, I think it was, like, maybe time to, like, get up and try to move around, but couldn't really get up i couldn't even like put weight on my left leg so pretty much my crew had to carry me out of the stadium (laughs) and my one of my crew members rodney had um rented a hotel room nearby so yeah i went over to his place and like cleaned up a bit and took a quick short nap and um i think i went i think we went back around like 10 40 ish so 10 40 50 ish so we were there just in time to like greet the last few runners coming in so yeah i was i I made it there in time to see the last official finisher and also i think there were like a couple of other couple people that had camp come in after the 30 hour mark but yeah if you want to experience what humanity and community looks like like definitely go to the golden hour at states like you will not hear a louder crowd cheering at a running race like they probably cheered louder than the, for for the last people coming in than the per, than the people that won the race. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, that's and that's really neat. There's there are probably even more people than 
then when the winners came in. Because the winners come yeah. in at like what in the evening? So yeah, let's look at the some people the showing up. Let's but see, we we'll go all the way. Ten AM on a Sunday, like you'll definitely get a, a huge crowd. Like it was super crowded. I just ended up standing at the top of the um, stadium uh, bleachers. And like there's like a bunch of people on the field and around the perimeter of the track on like both sides just cheering. Well, Camille yeah. did really well. I'm looking at the. She wow. I she did not finish. Oh, she did not finish. Oh, okay. I'm. I, I saw I saw her time, but it probably said drop next to her. Um, oh yeah, she dropped at fifty-five point seven. Oh, okay. there are a lot of drops from the elites for some reason, hmm. or another. I don't know. Yeah, oh, well, they're cool. like <laughs> nowhere even close to Courtney. <laughs> um, wow, pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I found that Corey guy. Uh, I don't know. Uh, where was his, um, yeah, he got to, yeah, there he is. There was the three people right there that dropped at, uh, at Rocky Chucky. So that, that was the guy I met and he lives, he lives right near, um, Auburn. I guess rough and ready is right, um, uh, right, right around Auburn area. It's a town called rough and ready. All right, man. This is good stuff. Uh, pretty yeah, amazing. Yeah. Good job, Max. Of, like hardware too. Yeah, let's see it. Got a, some swag too from the race. We got a bunch of stuff. Like probably more, so, probably like twice as much as like other races. But I saw, I saw a lot of people wearing like. Oh wow! That. This is the That's bronze cool. buckle. Let me take a screenshot. There we go. I got a picture. Yeah. I can take a better picture if you want, but yeah. Silver well, it's, it's a, to wait another it's day, a pretty but, good picture. Yeah. But yeah, it's a very coveted buckle. So glad to finally, glad to finally get it. Just a lot check, of hard work put the, in. Well, and you qualified for next year, so you don't have to uh, yep. do another qualifier. Yeah, finally. <laughs> <laughs> after after a couple of DNSs, finally get my state's qualifier. Well, now I'm back at one. So hopefully somebody we know will get in. John will probably get in. He's got. Like I think John half. Bertan will get in. You know, I think Rob Spinoza might. He's volunteered for a few times. I think he might uh, be looking. Uh, and he did uh, Miwok, so he's had a, he's a qualifier. Yeah. So I think we'll he's, who, he's looking for it. See who that spot goes to, I guess. Because uh, what's her name? Uh, Carolyn Latham also volunteers down there too, right? She does. Yeah, she was there. So, so eating yeah, she, she, uh, vanilla wafers. They were eating a lot of vanilla wafers, yeah. 
<laughs> that's a story I've heard. There's the there is the high schoolers uh, uh, group. Uh, we could talk offline a little. Yeah, they they were they were great. They did a good job. They're, they're good. And then then there was like the uh, the older people doing other things. There was so there was crews. There was like the uh, a crew doing food, which was great. They made burritos, um, big spread of burritos. They had hot dogs, like at, I want to say like midnight or something. And then I just ate so much garbage because like they have all this like chips out and they have just like snacks and like so you're eating all this salty snacky food, right? Because it's there. And then, but it's like you're there for a while. So it's like 10 hours of junk. <laughs> so calories, you just need to eat, eat calories, man. Well, well, you're you're just working at an aid station, so you're not feeling too hot after eating all the garbage. <laughs> oh, and the red vines—they had red vines right behind me, and I was—I probably had like ten of those. Those are pretty good. So, yeah, it, it, but it was, um, yeah, really well organized. You know, there's the electrical, there's the food people, there's the medical, there's the boat people, there's all these groups. They know what to do. Everyone's doing their job. It's really cool. It's really, and everyone's there just to help out. No one's getting paid or anything, so it's awesome. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's every, I everyone's I would, eyes are on this race. So when I put, when I do it again, I'm I'm gonna get there earlier. I'm gonna get there on Friday, and I'm gonna set up a, a sleeping spot for like a couple hours over by the at river Rocky at Rocky Chucky. So like. Maybe from like, I don't know, because you can sleep from like one to two and then cover for people from like, like you don't need to be up the whole night. They don't want you to up the whole night. They want yeah. you to sleep a couple hours. And I did sleep from like maybe three to four thirty or four, but it would have been better if I slept a couple more hours and then just filled in for that time for someone else because you have to drive home. They don't want people crashing and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was great, great group. And Bruce got a reward, a reward, award for um, I think it was like 26 years of doing Rocky Chucky, and he's like a legend. He's like he was a top 10 Western States guy, like like back in the day, like in the 90s or something. So maybe earlier. I don't remember. I don't know. Should Google Bruce. All right, good talking, Max. Uh, cool. Anything Any else? Other- Last remarks, questions. I'm I'm inspired, man. Very inspiring. Really, really cool. And uh, everybody was all the runners, all the crew, everyone that worked. This is really a cool race. So pretty amazing. Yeah. Big kudos to all the volunteers that worked on worked on the trails, like going up to into race day like there was a lot of trail work done um the months before like especially after the fires like there was a lot of cleanup mm-hmm. a lot of like trail repair work like really big kudos to them um big kudos to the people marking the course and like just making sure like nobody got lost like it was really well marked so yeah big congrats to them too and like also, it's just yeah, it's just so well run. I th- I think it's from what I saw, it just seems really well run. Um, 
I think People. like once you catch the bug, like you kind of you want to like start doing your part too, and it's not something that like it's it's something that like in the end, like if you you want to, everybody wants to get into the race, but you also want to like have your part in it too, and like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw people that are doing trail work is the best way to do it. Trail work, working at aid stations. I think like there's definitely people that want to do it and want to like contribute in some way for sure. Even if it's like Mm -hmm. not monetary or anything, like the time and the hard work is so valuable. Yeah, I, I could tell people just enjoy it and they, they're not there to get a spot. They're just there to help out. And just be, they maybe did it. There, I met a lady. I don't remember her name, but she did it like 25 years ago, and she's been there like almost every year. And she's not. I mean, she was probably 70 something. She's she's not yeah. gonna. Yeah, she's just there to help out. So it's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, working at Eight Station's super fun. Like you get to see the other side of it, and. You you probably only there like several hours, um, depending on like where you are on course. And yeah, get to see, yeah the like, the later aid stations passes. get longer. I I think like the uh, to work at like an earlier aid station, you get everybody through faster. But uh, yeah, it's it's pretty it's really cool to see everybody. Um, and then and then you're, you're you see some people uh come in and they like sit down and uh you know it's been like a five minutes ten minutes twenty minutes or thirty minutes out. yeah and you're you're kind of wondering like are they gonna <laughs> and they're there they, they some one guy was there for an hour then he got up started moving so it's just he did it <laughs> yeah but you can't That's say like, anything but you're like Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, it's like at some point you got to get moving. Yep, yep. I, 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 I could see. We're just going to cut off. <laughs> yep. All right, man. Uh, I got to get some bed, get some sleep. So, right. good good talk, Max. Yeah. Th- th- thank you, everybody. If you haven't run a qualifier already, do get one and get your name in the lottery. It is definitely a race of a lifetime all right i'll do that thanks max yep all right take it easy